Howdy JFC. On your way in, you should have been handed the notes. If you'll grab those, you can follow along with me. We jump into this last message in our series on Ephesians. While you're doing that, let me welcome all of our folks that are tuning in right now. Whether you hear this message this weekend live, whether you hear it later on via video, uh, no matter what campus you're sitting in, even if you hear it a week from now on your iPod or sitting in your car, however you're a part of being a part of JFC, we want to welcome you. We're glad that you are, and thank you for tuning in. Um, it's, I, let, me, let me just address something real quick, too. Uh, if, you, if you hear it this weekend, this message, then especially on Sunday, if you're listening on Sunday, you are watching a video. Uh, I'm teaching this live day before, and here's the deal. I'm going to fly out tomorrow morning early, 540 in the morning. The plane leaves. I've got to fly to Monroe, Louisiana, and do a funeral for my grandmother. My family asked me to come and do the funeral for my grandmother tomorrow. So I literally get in, uh, will change my clothes and go and do a funeral. And then I'll be back in uh, early, early Monday morning. Would appreciate your prayers. I'm in a heavy travel time right now, doing a lot of ministry outside of our church, a lot of conferences that I've committed to going to. And I have been, uh, it's been an incredible time of just uh, receiving ministry, doing ministry, uh, going like crazy, and then throw in unexpected things like this. And it just sort of begins to wear you down. And I would just covet and ask, would you just pray for me? Even if you're sitting Sunday morning, you might just sit there and think, hey, what do you mean he's not here? Uh, that video allows me to be two places at one time, and God has blessed it. More than 3,000 people per weekend hear that message live, and, and who knows how many over the week, and we are just thankful for the opportunity. So pray for your pastor. I would appreciate it. Okay, this is the last message on Ephesians that we are teaching. Next week, we'll jump into a brand new series, and uh, I'll start uh, out that series next weekend on strongholds. Funny enough, this series tonight is going to end on a great uh, launching pad into the next series on strongholds. And in fact, uh, the last part of Ephesians here deals with the idea of strongholds, spiritual warfare, how we uh, battle the enemy, how we win when we battle the enemy. If you'd look in your notes and find Ephesians 6, 14 through 18, follow along with me. I'll read it out loud. We titled it Dress for Success. Dress for Success. So if you're taking notes, write it down, underline it, highlight it, however you do it. Uh, remember, Dress for Success, Ephesians 6, 14 through 18. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, stand firm, therefore. If you remember, and you were here last week, uh, this is a connecting verse. Remember when the Bible was written, it wasn't written chapter and verse. It was written as letters. In order for us to be able to look it up later, what, what scholars did when the Bible was translated is to put it into chapter and verse so that when I'm sitting here, I can refer to you, Ephesians 6, 14, you can flip and find it easy. Otherwise, if we just said, hey, look for the letter of Ephesians and try to find the 1,000th and 11th word, it would be difficult for us to follow along with it. The problem, though, with it, just, just quickly as you can imagine, uh, if, we, if we break it up and we teach into uh, individual verses, then, then you end a verse in one week, pick it up the next week, and people, maybe they're just coming this week, they missed last week, or they forgot. Uh, it, it, you don't have context for it. So remember that last week, he, he, he tells, having done all to stand. Then it begins here, stand therefore. Having done everything to prepare to fight, now you've got to fight. Does that make sense? So we don't just look tough in the camp, we have to be able to be strong outside of the camp is what he's saying here. So we pick that up with this idea. Stand firm, therefore. Look what he writes. Having girded your loins with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Hey, remember that right there. The devil may shoot at us. We don't have to accept it. The arrows that he shoots can be extinguished. Amen. That's good news, folks. The Bible, and nowhere does it promise us that we can keep the enemy from shooting at us. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Fear not, I've overcome the world. He never promises us, if you serve me, you won't have trouble. In fact, here's what the Bible teaches. We, the servants, are, are due for the master's fate. How did the world treat Jesus? Not too kindly, ultimately. If they hated him, Jesus said, they're going to hate you too. The idea and the thought simply is that if we stand for what Christ stood for, then at times the world is going to disagree with us. We are going to get shot at. The enemy is going to shoot at us. But we don't have to just be wiped out by it. The darts of the enemy, the things that he tries to do, can be extinguished. We can win. We can win. It's picking it up right there. Uh, Taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. All right, Father, would you take these few verses? God, the little bit of time that we have together right now, would you just cause this, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, God, plant this deep in the hearts of people right now. Lord, may the enemy lose forever after this message. May there not be one person who hears this message who puts up any longer with the trifling of the enemy. Let them recognize, God, you have made it possible for us not only to win, but to be victorious in every area when it comes to the enemy. We thank you now. We praise you in Christ's name. Believe that? Say amen. Amen. Number one, naked believers. Naked believers. Paul is teaching the idea it is possible to be a believer and not put on the armor. Can you agree with that? If it was automatic, why teach anybody that you need to put on the full armor of God? Obviously, what he's teaching here is that salvation, that is not of yourselves at all. Salvation is strictly a work of Jesus. All you do is believe it, and it's a credit to you. It's, it's put on your life. But many people try to stop right there. And in fact, Pastor Marcus, when we were, uh, uh, met with our creative team uh, at Nonos, one of the things that, isn't that a great place to meet at Nonos? Maybe they ought to call it Yes Yes, because we come up with more good stuff than, than bad. Anyway, inside joke. Here's, here's, here's the thought. Marcus said, how many believers only put on salvation? They, they walk out with the idea that if I have salvation, I'm complete. Everything's put together. Everything's good to go. And, and they don't recognize that salvation is not enough to battle the enemy. Salvation is enough to get you to heaven, but salvation is not enough to defeat the enemy in this life. And so the idea, the thought here is that it's not enough to just be born again. It's not enough to just be saved. You've got to put on the full armor of God. And Marcus brought up this idea. How silly would it be for a football player to put on a helmet and nothing else? To show up on a field with a helmet on, it would be absolutely, not only would we think that it looks strange, we'd recognize that person is not going to last past the first scrimmage. It is going to be a disaster. How about this? I rode motorcycles for years and years and years. About a year ago, got, got rid of them. Got, got the Holy Spirit through a woman named Chris told me that you're done. So it was, <laughs> it was, the motorcycles are all gone. But here, here was the truth. I would ride that motorcycle. I won't tell you how fast I rode that motorcycle, but fast at times. 
wearing only a helmet. The reality of the situation was, had I hit anything at that speed or been hit at that speed, had it served to save my brain only, everything else would have so crumbled. How foolish it is to think that some little helmet is going to, to rescue. You, you, you Almost you need to wrap yourself in bubble wrap. If you're going to do it in order to take on those things. Just the thought that, well, I've got a helmet on so I'm protected. Absolutely not. You, you may have salvation, but God gives you a full armor that must be put on in order to go out to battle. In fact, I put this down as a note. You make it easy to be taken captive when you don't recognize that you're in a battle. I'm going to say it one more time. You make it easy to be taken captive when you don't recognize that you're in a battle. Many people in this room sit and think, well, I, I, in fact, I had it this way. I had a staff member one time. This was back in the storefront days. And, and she, she, was, she was a great pastor. But we had gone through a time of, uh, I mean, it was spiritual warfare. And I do believe this. I believe at, there are certain levels when you're doing things for God that you get a bigger bullseye put on your back. If you are not, if you're not doing anything, trying to do anything for God, I don't know how much the enemy, he messes with you, but not at the same as a person who's out there trying to do something for God. You get a bullseye. We had gone through a time where we were just doing spiritual warfare. There was, there was stuff. It was crazy. And she looked at me and she said, when do we get to rest? When, when does it end? When do we get to stop? When, when does we, and I, I, it was just one of those moments where the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I flip open the Bible and I said, look, you don't want to rest because as a believer, when you rest, you're dead. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your, you're dead. You are dead at that point. I said, you've got to have the mindset and the idea. And, and here's the thing. You say that now and you get a few chuckles. People don't like the idea that it's going to be work. But Paul says, you, are, you need to have the mentality as a soldier. You're in a battle. You fight. Listen, you make it easy for the devil when you're not even in the battle. You go, well, I don't want to fight. Then you make it easy to be taken captive. You make it easy for him to be able to just come in and destroy your life. I think it's absolutely foolish to go through life thinking that as a believer, I don't have to put on the armor. I don't have to battle. You absolutely do. I put in your notes, levels of defeat. One of our sons, David, he's home this weekend. On top of everything else that I've got going on, I have children that have stuff going on. That's without any remedy. Anybody know what I mean? And I've got him home this weekend for college. David was a wrestler in high school. Um, and watching him wrestle, it, it, was, it was very interesting how, how he would prepare and what he would do to go into battle. Now, why use the idea of wrestling? Because Paul uses the analogy, uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's Ephesians. But we wrestle against principalities, powers, spirits. So he uses the idea of wrestling, combat again, hand-to-hand -hand combat. And I would watch my son as he would prepare for wrestling, it was an interesting, interesting format. David would go into, uh, into the idea of before. Here was the first thing he wanted. He wanted to mentally have already beaten the person before he ever got on the mat. He wanted to mentally already have it in his mind, I'm going to win. When you go into battle, you mentally should have it already in your mind. The devil's not going to win. Wow. 
Try that again. Thank you for the polite patter I got right there. Can you one more time? You, the devil, you need to mentally know he's already a defeated foe. How about this? Read the end of the book and realize you win. It does help to know that no matter what you're going through, the end, the outcome is going to be you win. So he would want to mentally already have his opponent defeated. He would begin to anticipate what was going to happen when he wrestled this person. If he wrestled him before, he knew, here's what this guy is good at. Here's what he's not good at. He would want to anticipate. How about this? Anticipate what the enemy's going to do. Anticipate. I talked last week about the well-worn path that the enemy comes into our lives. It's not the same path for everyone. But he is absolutely, he, he does great at figuring out what works on you. And he uses that same thing to come time and time again. That's why the Bible uses schemes as a well-worn path. You want to anticipate, here's where the enemy's going to come at. David would try to tie up his opponent. He would try to, to neutralize his arms and his legs as quickly as possible. The Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, taking every thought captive. You want to begin to tie up the enemy. Take every thought captive. Use the weapons that you have to tear down strongholds. Go out and win. Be in it to win it. He would then begin to exert his will over his enemy, over his opponent. How about this? Did you ever think that you could exert your will over the enemy if you're doing it in Christ? Your will would be God's will at that point. I don't know if, if you're just thinking about this or if the weather's got you. I'm excited about it. Are you? He would continue to wrestle till he would wear the guy down. And once he got him worn down, it would just be a matter of pinning him at that moment. Sometimes he was such a good wrestler, a state level wrestler. He was so good that at times he, he wouldn't pin the guy just so that he could get practice. If you've ever watched any of those, those wildlife shows where, where the lions chase after the, the animals and catch them and then don't kill them but allow their young to come and actually do it so they get the practice, that's what he would do. He would not pin somebody intentionally so he could practice different moves. I would begin to feel bad for the opponent at that level. But I would watch my son. He, he would talk to me ahead of time. I need to learn how to do this better. I need to practice this move. So rather than pin someone, he would begin to, he would get close. Right before three was counted, he'd let the guy go. And the guy would be thinking, oh, I've got to do this all over again. Stand back up and go at it again. And he would, he would exert his will until he wore him down and then pin the enemy. Listen to me. That is exactly the mindset that you need to have in going out against your enemy. You are not some lone duck sitting out there waiting for the... You are mighty in God to pull down strongholds. You are powerful. You are well able. You are an overcomer. God has equipped you. God has called you. And got in Christ, all of Ephesians, the first chapter, do you remember spending time talking how many times Paul said, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, over and over and over again, we are in Christ. Gosh, remember, if you are in Christ, you can do all things through Christ. Nothing is impossible in Christ. The enemy is already defeated in Christ. What an interesting idea and concept. Put down again, you would never enter a battle naked. Take this scripture literally. Take it literally. 
Understand, he is telling you every day. How about this? I thought Jesus is, Jesus is our example in everything that we do. Nothing, nothing else in the Bible is as important as Christ. Christ is our example. Christ, every day, spent time preparing, getting ready, putting on the armor so that when he did battle, he was ready to go. If he is our example, who are we to think we can do it different than Jesus did it? Who are we to think that if Christ battled the enemy this way, how are we going to go out and do it different and win? JB, how in the, where does that mentality ever come from that we can do it different than Jesus and win? It's absolutely just sometimes, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's ignorance gone to seed. That's how my pastor would say it. Ignorance gone to seed. He was a country boy from Nebraska. Sorry, folks. All right, let me, let me do this right here. Two things necessary to defeat the enemy. Two things necessary to defeat the enemy. Number one, Paul says, take a stand. You've got to be willing to pick a fight. Okay. I, <laughs> you've, taking a stand means literally understand. You, you've got to go out. When David fought Goliath, remember the story there. That, that David shows up to the battle to bring his brothers cheese and crackers. That's literally what it says. It was only while at the battle he hears Goliath yelling, send me a man. Send me one man. If I beat him, will you serve us? If he beats me, we'll serve you. Send me one man. And this is what the Bible said, that the armies of God would listen to him, see how big he is, be intimidated, and they would shriek. How many of you recognize you never want it to be said of you that you shriek? <laughs> never. If you were a man, something inside of you should never shriek. Yes. If you're a woman, we'll allow it. But as a man, don't shriek. Never shriek. And if that makes you mad, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry. Just come on. Don't. So they would shriek and then they would go hide in the rocks. That is not, if, if you are, if this is the army that's protecting you, this does not inspire any confidence whatsoever. And David sees this, and this is what David says, who, who does this uncircumcised Philistine think he, what an answer, who is this uncircumcised Philistine think he is? And he ends up rushing out to battle, we know the story, it was not David's skill that did it, it was God's ability through David that did it. David answered the call, he was willing to take a stand. How about this, no risk, no faith. No faith. Here's what the Bible says about a servant with no faith. You're a wicked servant if you don't have faith. John didn't say that. Jesus said that. Prove it. The parables of the talents. The parables of the talents. Do you remember the story? Jesus says that there was a king who gave talents to his servants. And the first one was given a certain amount of talents and he went out and he doubled it. And when his master came back, he presented what he had doubled. The other one was given a certain amount and he doubled his and presented it to the master and the master was pleased with him. The last one was given a single talent and he was afraid that he would lose it. So he buried it in the ground. When the Lord came back, he was able to present to him what he was given. And this is what the master said. You're a wicked and lazy servant because you didn't do anything with what I gave you. That's, that's hard. That is hardcore, man. He said you should have at least put it in the bank and got interest off of it. You, did, you were unwilling to do anything with what I gave you. Therefore, you're a wicked and a lazy servant. I don't like that. I don't, I don't call that fun, but I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Man, if, if you are unwilling to take a stand, you are unwilling to risk, 
You're unwilling to risk. You have no faith. You have no faith, literally. Literally, you are not a good servant. You've got to be willing to take a stand. You've got to be willing to stand up. You've got to be willing to be counted. You've got to be willing to go out against the enemy. Here, though, then is the issue. Two things necessary to defeat the enemy. Willingness to take a stand. Call it whatever you want to. Call it understanding who you are in Christ. Call it understanding uh, that I can do all, whatever. But the second thing, then, is also equally necessary. You've got to use your armor if you take a stand. If you take a stand without your armor, it's the equivalent of going into the battle naked. Okay, so the Bible tells us then, with the armor of God, we've got offensive and defensive armor. Offensive and defensive armor. Uh, Tomorrow, no, Monday night, our team goes out to battle. Two sides of the issue, offense and defense. Now, I watched the game last week. I would question whether or not there is defense. (laughs) Anybody else? There is an offense there. I say to you, I prophesy. (laughs) Yeah, oh boy. This is, thus says John, not the Lord. The Lord has nothing to do with this part right here. Eight eight or nine games in, they'll get it together and they will be be good. The defense, I don't know what's going to happen there. So the only thing I'm trying to point out to you is there are two sides of any battle. There's an offensive and a defensive side. I'm using something that we can understand to pick this out. In the battle, God gives you weapons that are defensive and offensive. You can't fight one side because you'll lose. You can't do one. You've got to understand he's going to come at you different. So offensive, you're going against him. You take the stand. Pull down strongholds. Don't allow him to mess with your family. We, look, we made this decision years and years and years ago. When the church first started, we went through a situation where we had two young people who, who were killed in tragic automobile accidents. One was on the mission field. One was here in Highlands Ranch. This great fear grew over me for my children. They were two of the families that had helped us plant this church. And I thought to myself, God, what kind of warfare is this? We're the enemy. We're, we're serving you. We're giving our lives to the cause. We are standing for you. And two of our people lose their children. And I, all of a sudden I had this great fear. I was going to lose one of my... So I was praying this anemic, weak prayer. Oh God, protect my children. Oh God, well, oh God, don't let the enemy mess with my children. The Lord one day spoke to me, convicted me, used that story with David. And this is what God said to me. Do not get in that position. You will lose. The enemy will eat your lunch. You are running from him. You are praying prayers that have no faith. They are, they are prayers of fear, not of faith. This is what the Lord said to me. Begin to pray that I make your children dangerous so that the enemy messes with him. He gets a black eye. It is not about you. It is not about here and now only. It is about a king and a kingdom and eternity. Yes or no? Do you believe that? So that we were willing, even at the cost of saying, God, whatever it takes. Are you willing to pray that prayer? Now don't, look, don't ask for something that you're not ready to get an answer to. Whatever it takes... We sailed when we came to start. Yeah, it's, it's a big question. And if you do sit and think about what I'm saying, no one in here, it is bravado that has a person shake their head and go, yeah, no problem. It is, it is a problem. What if it does cost you deep? 
What if you fight a fight where he gets some licks? What if you win when it's all said and done? You win. But what if a battle goes up and down and it costs you something? Will you still fight? When our oldest wanted to go into missions, left for four years to go into missions, I remember, oh, the fear that the enemy had worked in my life. And having to just go, God, she's not mine, she's yours. It was not foolishness or bravado that let me let her go. It was the realization, I can't control it anyway. I've got to change my tactic. I cannot stay here and hide in a bunker. I've got to run ahead. The safest place to be for a believer is smack in the middle of the will of God, not hiding out at your house. Take a stand. Use your armor. The Bible says this in these few verses right here. You can put out the fire. The arrows, the darts that are shot at you. It reads this way. Extinguishing the flaming arrows of or from or by the evil one. Flaming arrows. You recognize Paul is using a weapon, a word, a, 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 a picture of a weapon of that day and of that age. If you've watched shows that depict any, any time in the first century, a gladiator. You remember that the opening scene, the, the, the Romans are, are fighting the, the Germans, or what would become Germany. And they used the flaming, flaming arrows were a weapon of that day and that age. They would be set on fire with creosote. Creosote is the grease. If you grew up with telephone poles in your neighborhood, anybody remember? Seven people in the room remember telephone poles. <laughs> So I, I am up here sweating, working, <laughs> giving my all. <laughs> Telephones? Yeah. How many remember the... the yeah, you're, thank you. It's a few people. Creosote was the grease that was used on a telephone pole that would help it. That's why those poles could be stuck in the ground and they could stay there for 30 years. The, the creosote was a grease, a naturally forming grease that you could put on wood and it would keep it from, from deteriorating. Here was the thing though, it could burn. Creosote in certain forms could burn and it would burn like napalm. It would not extinguish itself once it hit. It was a grease or an oil that once lit and shot would stay lit as it flew through the air, hit, and you couldn't put it out by blowing on it. It would burn until it burned itself out. Okay, he uses that analogy, that picture, that understanding to say the enemy of your soul has a tactic where he takes flaming arrows and he shoots them. And he's a, he's a good shot. The Bible never says you can stop the devil from shooting you. It says you can put out the flame. You can minimize the damage. Is that a better way to say it? So I wrote it down. Here's how you need to look at it. The analogy is that he uses the arrow of Fill in the blank. He uses the arrow of blank and sets it on fire so that it will consume whatever it hits and do the maximum 
damage. All right, I will give you an example from my life. I am in a position, right? I don't, nobody in this room needs to do anything about this, by the way. Nobody. I do not share this because I need you. You are not my answer. You are not my source. God is my source. You, you do not need to feel the need to do anything about this. I just share it as an example only. I am in the middle right now of, of it is the most expensive time in my entire life. I have three children in college. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I three kids in college right now. I have a daughter who's getting married in January. Couldn't wait. Could, couldn't, couldn't put it off for just a couple of years. We got to have sex now. I get what you, okay. So, <laughs> that's bad. I'm going to be in trouble. Oh, there they are. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm in trouble, help me. You're shrinking down and leaving me all by myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I Actually, the truth of the matter is, I, I would pay anything in the world, anything in the world, to have my daughter marry this man. We love him. He's, he's awesome. He's very talented musically. Someday he's going to leave worship here at one of our campuses. I am prophesying now. He's powerful. He's a powerful man. My daughter, she's fortunate, and so are you too, JJ. You're both fortunate that you found each other. I'd pay anything to see that happen, but it doesn't change the fact that the outgo is huge. <laughs> I mean, it's just huge. It's just absolutely massive. So, so we're going through, how many of you recognize, I mean, financial distress can be a time that the enemy takes great advantage over your life. Anybody agree with that statement? And it's like every place I turn right now, man, the devil is just hitting. So my son Daniel calls me. He's got, he's got a, an older forerunner. He's parked in a parking lot up in Fort Collins. He lives in Fort Collins. This is what happened. He said, then I go out and start the car. It's making horrible noise. I said, well, describe the noise to me. I did this just to get him on the telephone to make noise. This is a horrible thing. But I was like, do that again. So he's making all this noise. The bottom line is he can't get the car to run. It's making this terrible noise. I said, okay, you got to take it over to the dealership. So brings it to Peterson Toyota, and the guy calls me up, and this is what he said. Somebody crawled underneath your son's car and cut out the catalytic converters. Inside the catalytic converters, they use platinum in order to trap. They use the material in order to trap pollutants. It's about $100 worth of platinum. It costs $3,000 to get it fixed. So it's, it's people looking for a quick, quick fix for drugs. So we had, we had somebody come to this parking lot here find our main valve on our sprinklers and cut the valve out because they could sell the scrap for 30 bucks. It flooded the neighbor's house behind us. It cost us uh, 20, $2,300 or $2,400 to get it fixed. Somebody for 30 bucks, it's just, it's horrible. And my point simply is that it's at the time when you've got all of this out, the enemy knows how to light that arrow and take a shot at you, yes or no. And I'm telling you then, he, he, is, he is right. Not only does he shoot you, but then he comes to have you accuse God. He wants you to draw some dotted line of your stuff back to God. God's unfaithfulness, God's inability, God's prompt, whatever it is. Does anybody hear what I'm saying right now? 
So you find yourself suddenly, I mean, you're without remedy on these things. All right, remember this. Remember this. If you thank God for an answer before he does it, it's faith. If you thank it after, it's gratitude. Say it again. If you thank God before you get an answer, that's faith. If you thank him after he answers, it's only gratitude. Gratitude's wonderful, but it's way different than faith. Faith is the belief that God knows where I am. That God understands what I'm going through and that God will answer my prayer. My remedy right now is to, I worship him. I get this news last week. I hung up the phone on face with two things. I can be really mad. I can be really upset. I can let this so engulf my life that you're sitting there thinking, what's the big deal? The well-worn path for me may not be the one for you, but I bet you got your thing. I bet you got your thing that I could look at and go, why can't you overcome that? That's light affliction. We can all judge somebody else's pain. Someone else's stuff. We can all look and think, but whatever it is, the enemy's good at that well-worn path. And dude, when he lights that fire and shoots it and it hits the mark, it just, boom. And you are mad, you are upset. It can get into your marriage. It can get into your relationship. It can get into your preaching. I mean, condemnation, can, you can do so. It's, the devil is so good. So here's my choice. I just right now, I am worshiping God, I went to a conference this last week. I heard this band, they did old hymns that they jazzed up to, to just, I mean, rocking. So I bought this CD. I have been playing it when I'm all by myself. I am worshiping my face off right now. And then I did this. I took my checkbook. Somebody just needs to hear this. It, it, you don't need to do anything for me. I took my checkbook. I looked what I did have. Not what I didn't have. And I planted a ton of seed. If you sent me a letter, you can't believe how many letters I get from people in this church whose kids are going on a mission trip or something's going on. If you had sent me a letter last week, you happened to end up at the right time at the right place. So I sent checks to everybody. I doubled my tithe last week too. Doubled it. I just figured he's not going to beat me. He will not, I will not just take a stand. I, I will not just be defensive and be like, okay, I'm not going down. I'm going to be offensive. Want my money? I'm giving it to God before you can get it. Yes. <laughs> so, what it does, so you go, oh, what are you, I'm not taking up any offering. I'm not asking you to give to anything. Don't sit up here and judge. Well, preachers, all they talk about is money. Well, all GM talks about is cars, but you never get mad at that. So come on. <laughs> I, all I'm saying is, do, be offensive with it. Don't allow the enemy to have, do just, do, the kingdom of God is an upside down. To be great, you've got to be the least. To be first, you've got to be last. Yep. To get it all, you've got to give it away. There's the one who scatters yet increases and the one who holds on to it and yet gets poor. Yeah. That's what Proverbs says. Why does it work that way? Because that's how God does it. I don't know why, but you don't get to decide. You get to decide whether or not you want to follow and fight or lose and complain. Well, that is, I'll make myself happy up here. <laughs> it doesn't stop the shot. Serving God, following Christ, 
Being obedient does not stop the shot. It enables you to minimize the damage of the shot. There are flaming arrows of condemnation that the enemy can skillfully shoot at people. It burns up everything or it hits your shield of faith and goes out. Condemnation is a skillful weapon. That is one path I know the devil works well in every believer's life. Condemnation. Why do you know that? Because everybody in this room loves God. You're not here if you don't love God, I don't believe. You love God, but I bet you sin. And here's what being born again does for your sin life. It ruins it. Because when you sin, if you're really born again, you hate to sin. You hate it. It bothers you. It messes you up. You're not happy about it. Before you're born again, you sin and you show everybody, look at what I did. Ha ha. But after you're born again, you cleverly try to disguise it. I didn't do that. It's not that bad. And the devil comes to completely condemn you. Use the shield of faith. In, God doesn't see your stuff. He sees Christ. You're in Christ. Use the shield of faith. He shoots condemnation. Put the shield of faith up. I'm in Christ. I'm not in Adam. I'm in Christ. Do you know that's what the Bible says? You're not in Adam. You're in Christ. Ephesians 1. How many times does God say over and over, in Christ, in Christ we have this. In Christ we are this. In Christ we are delivered. If you're in Christ, put up your shield of faith. Put it up and catch everything shot at you. Put it out. Here's the weapons written Without all of the wording. Truth, righteousness, peace, salvation, faith, word of God. Say it one more time. Truth, righteousness, peace, salvation, faith, word of God. These are your weapons. These are your weapons. Truth, righteousness, peace, salvation, faith, word of God. Four defensive, two offensive in my mind. You could argue maybe there's three and three. Whatever. Truth, righteousness, peace, salvation, faith, word of God. Use all of them. Use truth to battle the enemy. He's a liar. He is a liar. What do liars do really well? Of course. Absolutely. And if you get mad because he lied, that's just foolish. He's a liar. Use the truth. When he lies... Use the truth. My son Brent, special needs, came to me this week, found something on the internet. Dad, here's what it said. <laughs> when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. <laughs> what a cliche. But how good is that? When the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Use truth. Righteousness. The Bible says you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not trying to be righteous. You're not coming up with your own righteousness. You're not trying to be good. You can't do that. You are the righteousness of God. Do you, I, I don't know if the word even can sink in sometimes. You're the righteousness of God. Say it with me. The righteousness of God. You're not some form of righteousness. You're not some halfway model. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Anyone in here in Christ? 
Dude, if you're in Christ, you're the righteousness of God. Everything the devil shoots at you about being unrighteous, about being unworthy, even if it's true, it's not true because of the work of Christ. You win. You win. Peace. How many times does he want to steal your peace? You have the right to remain in peace regardless of what the enemy does. You get to that level, now you're mature in Christ. Dude, when your feelings don't control what you do, when the word of God controls what you do, now you're growing up. That is, at what level do we quit living by our feelings and we begin to live by what Jesus said? When does that happen? How about tonight? How about right now, right here, this group? Salvation is your weapon. Faith is your weapon. The word of God is your weapon. When Christ fought the enemy, one of the main confronting weapons was to use the word of God. The devil would try to skillfully, just what he did with Adam and Eve, take the word Twist it just enough to confuse them. Jesus never even answered. He only read scripture back to the devil. Last but not least, then here's what it says in this little bit of scripture. Be on the alert. It reads this way. Be on the alert with all perseverance. This week when I put the notes together with study and when looking at what I would write One of the things that I felt like the Lord reminded me of was the return of Christ. There is one common denominator for the return of Christ taught almost every time in the Gospels. And it's this idea. Be on your guard because you don't know when he's coming back. Be ready. Be on the alert. Part of the parables Jesus would teach is that the idea that the master returned at an inconvenient time. Inconvenient is not the idea that I don't want him to come back. It's the idea that I wasn't ready for him to come back. Here Paul is encouraging us with all perseverance. Be on the alert. I add to it the idea because you don't know when the master will return. And here's what Jesus said the day will look like. It will be as in the days of Noah when people are eating and drinking and giving. In fact, there will be nothing that would ever make you think Jesus is coming back right now. And I ask you, look around. The common thought, I think, is that most people, it may be in my generation, it may not, but I don't think it'll be tomorrow. I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen first. The truth of the matter is, scripturally speaking, nothing stands between you, me, and the trumpet of God. So are you ready? It's my job to ask that question. If that's inconvenient, then I would say to you, his return is inconvenient for you. If that bothers you, if that's offensive to you, if that is just like, you know, I really don't want to think about that right now, then I would say to you, the return of your master will catch you unaware. Be watching. Be ready. Matthew 24, 42, therefore be on the alert because you do not know which day your Lord will be coming. 
I have one minute and 33 seconds. Can I give you four strategies that the enemy will use to knock you down? You want them? I can close or give them to you. If I don't give them to you, he'll use these four on you tonight. Okay, here they are. Four strategies to knock you down. The first one is to wound you. If he can wound you, if he can get the arrow through, he'll use the strategy of you being wounded. Wounded by a person. Wounded by an event. Here's the deal. If you get wounded and you don't catch it, you'll be locked in time over the wound. Here's what I have learned in my 49 quick years on this planet. That you can walk away from a person and be gone for years and come back. And if they have an offense or a wound, they'll talk about the same thing they talked about with you the last time, even if it was 10 years ago. They get locked in a time warp. The enemy ends up, he, he, he'll deceive them with the wound. Four strategies to knock you down. He'll wound you, he'll deceive you. Deception, here's the problem with deception. Deception is not changed because you argue with somebody. I could skillfully debate an issue. But debate, generally speaking, doesn't change a person's mind when they're deceived. Deception is in the mind. Therefore, you can't argue. It is a spiritual condition that Christ's truth must penetrate. Does this make sense? It's not enough to go out and argue with people to, to convince them that Jesus is Lord. The truth of God must penetrate their heart. The veil has to be removed. He'll wound you. He'll deceive you. He'll intimidate you. He's very good at intimidating. The Bible said he is like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion, but he's like a roaring lion going around seeking whom he can devour. He wants to intimidate you. Last but not least, if he can't do those three, wound, deceiver, intimidate you, he will try everything he can to get you to compromise. It's always his last strategy, compromise. Okay, I'll say this. Now I'm 37 seconds into deficit. I'll close with this sentence. Listen to this. There was a battle for your life and your destiny since before you were born. One more time. There was a battle for your life and for your destiny from before the day you were born. The whole issue with Adam was to trip up the seed. Genesis 3 contains a prophecy. This is what it says. Speaking to the serpent, but it was the enemy that God was speaking to. Here's what God prophesied. You will strike his heel, he'll crush your head. The enemy struck at Christ on the cross. But it was the very cross of Christ that crushed the enemy's head. He struck at him and got his heel. And the very act of striking and getting his heel was that Jesus put his foot down and crushed his head. And the enemy lost at that point. And if you are in Christ, every victory of Christ is now your victory. Every, everything he has done, he has won. When he said it is finished, dude, that means for you, it's finished. Striving is done. The battle is complete while we may fight a war still. I can tell you how it comes out. We win. We win. We win. That's good news. That's good news. Okay, Lord, this is yours. All effort, 
all thoughts. God, bring it to completion right now. Church, would you just close your eyes, open your heart, and listen to me. Jesus said the devil comes immediately to steal good seed. He comes immediately to steal. Not only is he a liar, but he is a thief. And ultimately, he's a destroyer. He comes immediately to steal any good seed. Here's what that means. If you don't do something with what I just said, if you don't move on it, if you don't act on it, if you don't put faith to it, if you don't believe it, if you don't try, if you don't take a stand, if you don't put on the full armor, the devil will come and steal this seed. Here's what you'll have. You'll have a memory of me teaching. You'll have notes that say the opposite of what's going on in your life. One more time, you'll have notes that say the opposite of what's going on in your life. You have a choice tonight. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Put on the full armor of God. I guess here's the two things that I felt like the Lord put in my heart to pray for people over. The first one is, if the enemy has been skillful in getting at you, the strategy at this point is unimportant. The story at this point doesn't matter. The conclusion, the conclusion is all important. If the enemy has been skillful being able to get at you and shoot at you, knocking you down, knocking you backwards, knocking the wind out of your lungs. But faith rises up inside of you tonight. If you understand that in Christ, this isn't bravado, this isn't flesh, this isn't you getting hyped up. Hype won't get you any place. This is understanding that in Christ, in Christ, you are what I said you are. You can do what I said you can do. And you have what he said you have. If you just go, John, he's been skillfully getting at me, but I feel faith rise on the inside of me. I just want to agree with you. I want to stand with you. I want to put my faith with yours and agree. You're an overcomer. You're well able. Let's drive a stake in the ground, a stake in his heart. A mile marker that says, here's where we are in space and time and no more. No more. If you just go, Pastor, that speaks to me. That rises in my heart. I hear that. I want that. Yes. Yes. That's you and you just say, John, remember me. Pray with me. Stand with me. Link faith with me. I, I don't know why I feel that, but I feel that to say to you. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Just pray for me. Sure, keep it up for a minute. This is for my faith. To see so many people say, that's me. Yes, I agree with you. Your hand in the air is simply a point of contact. It's your faith agreeing right now. God can do all things. You are in Christ. This is not bravado. This is not hype. This is not flesh. There is no person strong enough in the flesh to make any of this happen. It only happens because Jesus was able. I agree with you right now. Even the smallest, the most insignificant amount of faith right now, as small as a mustard seed, you don't know what God can do with that. 
I agree with you. I believe with you. I call on the name of Jesus with you. I ask that God build you up and give you strength right now. Anoint your life. May the anointing of God crush the yoke of the enemy. May the chains of his lies be broken off of you, what belongs to you tonight. Put your hands back down. Here's the other thing that I just simply want to pray for tonight. It's the very thing that the enemy has skillfully shot at me at that I described, I recognize some of you are going to relate to it and just go, man, that's where I'm at too. He's hit me just financially, just knocking me crazy. Maybe it was a business that failed. Maybe it was a person who stole from you. You know, the problem is, for every person who will hear this message, going to be a different way that the enemy's come and found that path into their life. All the stories aren't the important issue. It's what God can do. He doesn't change the past. He alters the future. So in a way, this is just simply another way for me to strike back at the enemy also. If what I shared earlier, where he's just shooting at me, happens to be the thing that you're going through, I just feel like there's an anointing on me right now to pray for people who are struggling with that. And I do it by faith to strike back at the enemy. To take a stand. To use the word of God. If you just go, Pastor, just pray for me. Your story, you don't need to reveal anything. You relate to what I said. You just say, hey, pray for me. I'm there. Need God to move in that way in my life. I just want you to be brave right now. Yep, 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 yep. Holy smokes. Wow. So I do that and everybody wants to look around. What, ooh, what is it? Lord, every person, you are so merciful to us. You are so faithful to us. God, you never forget about us. God, you are moved with compassion for your people. Lord, you hear our prayer. It's your delight to answer right now. God, I just pray over this area, this issue. The enemy just is coming like a whirlwind has eaten like a cancer. It just eats away at it to where we have nothing left. Well, tonight, God, we recognize what's going on. And Father, we're not saying we're not going to take it. Here's what we're saying. God, it belongs to, he's eating what belongs to you. God, we're stewards. Every dollar, every car, every house, every article of clothing, every bit of it belongs to you. He is trifling with your stuff. In Jesus' name, Father, close the hedge in our lives. You said that you would cause the thief to give back. That you even would repay yourself. God, would you right now hear our prayer? We act on this. We stand right now. We look to you. Be our rear guard. Be our front guard. Hold us in your hand where you said nothing can snatch us from there. Everything that we have, God, it's not our. He's not stealing from us. He's stealing from you. Rise up, God. God, replace right now. Let there be testimonies from the people in this room who were part of this prayer, from the people that will hear it this weekend and who will agree, that's me. 
I want you this week, if God moves on your behalf in that area, if he does something strong for you, here's, here's how you acknowledge it. Tell, I want to know about it. So my email is john, J-O-H-N, at J-F-C, john at jfc.org. Tell me this weekend. Tell me this week. I want to know about it. Let's, let's use our testimony. The enemy is defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Let's use our testimony this week for what God's done for us. If God moves on your behalf, if he moves on your behalf, will you agree to testify to me about it? Yes or no? Will you agree? Okay. Okay. That's between you and God then to follow through on it. Let's just believe that the Lord will use that to be powerful for him. Father, thank you for that right now. We love you. It's all yours, God. It's all yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Um, we go to close out our services. Our worship leaders will take us in from here. Let's worship. Let's use the elements that we have in order to engage God. Before you hit the road, you know, take off and go back to whatever. Let's just worship him, engage with him right now. Let's let him seal this word in our hearts so the enemy has nothing to steal. Nothing to steal.